So when you're buying something from, you know, ASOS or whatever, like what does the, what does ASOS believe in? What is the morals of the company? I feel like honestly, sustainability is our future. If we don't practice it, then like it'll be our demise essentially. Mm-hmm. If you do recycle, then you are part of what's helping us to sustain the planet. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then you're part of the problem. And just like with clothing, like I just think that a lot of people don't put as much thought into where we get our clothes, where our clothes come from, uh, what brands we should be supporting, what those brands support, those kind of things. I feel like anywhere where you're putting your money, you should be thinking about where that money is actually going beyond, you know, hand to hand. You know what I mean? Welcome to the Friends in Beauty podcast, a safe space for ambitious beauty industry creatives to have real talk, get authentic answers and practical tools to grow their businesses. Join me every week as me and my special guests reveal the keys to longevity and success in the beauty industry from the ups and downs of their journey to the nitty gritty of their struggles and triumphs. We're spilling the tea on it all and most importantly, having fun while doing it. You ready? Hey, what's up? It's your best friend in beauty here, Aquia Robinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast. I am so happy to have you here, and I hope you're listening to this episode in high spirits and in good health. Mm-hmm. Now, on today's episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast, I welcome Rich Rocket, who is a self-proclaimed entrepreneur because mm-hmm. he does a whole lot of things, y'all. We're going to get into <laughs> it. And he's also the creative director of Vintage Thrivals which is a clothing company that celebrates the creativity of the 80s, the freshness of the 90s, and the coolness of today. Okay. Sustainably source clothing and turn it into one-on-one, one-of-one wearable art pieces. So welcome to the Friends of Beauty podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And thank you for uh, doing your homework. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Does that sound about right about what you do? Mm Mm-hmm. A little bit. Because we go yeah, get it. I mean, you a lot. definitely the, the peak of the iceberg. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. Well, before we get into all the juicy stuff that you do, we're going to start off with some icebreakers. Have a little fun. The Friends of Beauty audience can get to know you a little bit outside of what Let's you do, do you know, professionally. Mm-hmm. So first one, just give us three random facts about you. Uh, three random facts are uh, I love animals. Like, love animals. I'm one of those, like, weird dog people who will, like, talk to a person's dog before I talk to them. <laughs> Definitely one of those people. Uh-huh. Uh, and when I was, like, a kid, I we always had, like, dogs in the house. But I always also had a bunch of other pets. So I was, like, a uh-huh. bird kid for a while. I was a, a guinea pig kid for a while. Never like reptiles or anything like that, but I just love animals. Uh-huh. Uh, another random fact is I my house, my apartment, is kind of like a retro museum. Uh-huh. Kind of. So if you walk in, like the first thing you'll probably notice is like I have like these walls of records. And then I have like another wall of like, like just tons of VHS tapes. Um, that I still watch like I don't have like a regular smart tv I have like a tv with the big back and the vcr built in <laughs> so like my uh my apartment's kind of like this like ode to all things old and I guess the last fact would be um I'm a middle child maybe that explains a lot of my personality <laughs> but I'm a middle child so that's the yeah that's my third thing 
Okay, you got brothers, sisters. Both. I have two brothers, one older and one younger. Wow, mm-hmm. so all boys. Mm-hmm. Wow, and I love the whole VHS uh tape bit because I already know my nieces and nephews have no idea what that is. If they see a CD, they're gonna be like, "What is that? <laughs> what is that?" So I have, I still have VHSs. I'm pretty sure I still have like Lion King on VHS. Oh, you gotta have the classics. Mm-hmm. And you gotta have at least one orange one, one Nickelodeon one. Yes. Yeah, because you know all their tapes used to be orange. Yes, I love. Oh, you taking it way back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a uh, Good Burger <laughs> and the Rugrats movies. All the rug like Rugrats in Paris, Rugrats uh-huh. the movie, and then it was a uh, Rugrats meet the Wild Thornberries or something like that. The Wild Thornberries. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I used to watch that show. <laughs> I, that's one of them shows where I feel like it used to watch me. I couldn't really tell you too much about the show, but I know that I used to like know about it. Yeah. But if somebody was to quiz me right now, I couldn't tell you anything. Yeah, yeah that, I totally forgot about it. That's that's interesting. Way before SpongeBob and all that stuff. Oh, for sure. That's in- wow. Okay. Do you travel? You like to travel? I do, and this year, uh, thankfully, I've been able to travel a lot more because of um, you know the things that I've been doing. But I love to travel specifically to warm places. I'm not really crazy about going anywhere where it's cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I could choose, I would live where there was never a winter. I know that's right. That's how yeah. I feel about here. I'm like, I've experienced all the four seasons all my life. I know what to expect. I want something that's just warm year round. Yeah, just but all like, the time. What's a state or a country that you would never want to go back to? Never want to go back to? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <laughs> <clears throat> I will say I didn't really love Chicago. Okay. Now I didn't really do a lot while I was there. It was part of like a creative tour that I kind of uh, was like figuring out my way around. So I did go there and I like did some networking and like some shoots and stuff with some people. But I don't know. There's just some cities that like agree with you, mm-hmm. and there's some cities that just don't. Yeah. And Chicago to me just it didn't agree with me. Okay, okay. Yeah. I've only been there once, so I can't really... And I was only there for like two days for a friend's graduation, so I didn't really get to see much, but... Mm-hmm. Okay. No yeah. shade to the people from Chicago. Yeah, we... I mean... Trying to fight us. Yeah, I was about to say, please don't, because they will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of my very, very good friends lives there. I mean, I talk to him like every day, and I don't know, it's just it's something about the city I just couldn't really get into. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. no problem. So I have these pod decks. They have these random questions. This is a what the heck and a would you rather. Which mm. one would you like? Uh, let's go with would you rather. Would you rather? Ooh, mm-hmm. Let's see. I'll pick a random card. <laughs> oh, I've had that one before. It's like, oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, this is weird. Okay, so. Would you rather work with dead people in a mortuary or in the busiest ER trauma unit in the world? Dead people. <laughs> Easily. I mean, I can work at my own pace. No <laughs> there's, there's no real rush. I mean, what are they, they going to They get hold the funeral for an hour while I get them together? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, like, there's urgency, but, like, there's no, it's not pressing. You yeah. know what I mean? If If the person's clothes don't look right or makeup don't look right, they're not going to cancel the funeral right? or die because they're already dead. So that kind of alleviates a lot of the pressure. I'm going to go with that one. No drama. The motion mm-hmm. like there's a little body jerk or somebody sitting up maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually have a friend um, on Instagram. Her name is the hair mistress. 
and she used to um do makeup for a mortuary and she would like post about it a lot and she was like it was one of her favorite jobs she ever I'm had trying to find somebody to get on the podcast to talk about that because i'm gonna send you her instagram please because i've seen like a couple of makeup artists um that i follow that have done it for like family members mm-hmm. or clients and i'm like that's one thing don't if you one of my clients look i'm not doing your makeup when you die uh, when you did <laughs> <laughs> but what if it's their dying wish though like i want you to beat me one more time Girl, no. It's a no. No, it's a it's a hard no. Like <laughs> a hard no. Just because they're dead or like was that's mm-hmm. it. This one girl I saw recently, she did it for her mom, and I was like, Whoa. Her, but she looked beautiful though. Yeah, so that's the thing about and it, she like, probably did it because she knew that she could get it what it needed to be. You know what I mean? Same thing. I was like, she better than me because my mother already know. I ain't, get somebody else to do it. Very much. So. Big time. Big time. Yeah. Oh my god! What do people always tell you that you're good at, aside from what you do, like all the things that you do professionally? Um, I, a lot of people usually take note of um how, I guess, like adaptable I am. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times, like I feel like I'm thrown into a lot of crazy situations, yeah. and instead of like letting the situation like make me crazy, I try to. Or tend to out crazy the crazy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or find the balance. Okay. So um, I think that's one thing that people probably uh, take note of about me. I like that. That's probably why you get to do the things you you do too, because you can work on your feet. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I mean, like, it really is. Sometimes I'm like, I feel like the universe has put me in a position where, like, either I'm gonna write one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, or like I'm just really the developed character because like i'd be going through some things sometimes where i'm like this would only happen to me you know what i mean <laughs> right only you. like only like sunday i did a pop-up at the um at baltimore center stage right mm-hmm. and i'm there all day i was there from like 12 until 7 p.m all day long and like there were a few people who were like complimenting me on these pants that i had painted they were like oh i love the pants i love the pants and so i got home and I'm like taking the like, and I, it was crazy because I felt <laughs> this might be like a little intense, but I felt like this weird sensation in my like undercarriage, uh-huh. and I'm like, I I need to make a doctor's appointment because something feels very strange. Yeah. And so when I got home, I realized what had happened was the pants had ripped. Oh. And so I was feeling like air. Right. And so and it was a pretty big rip, and it was like a you know how like when fabric is just old. And mm-hmm. it kind of, instead of just ripped, kind of shreds a little bit too. Mm-hmm. So it was like shredded. And I'm like, all day long, I have been like walking around like this and no one <laughs> said anything. They probably like, hey, that's his style. <laughs> I'm like, and it, and it was funny because when I posted that on my story, a few people were like, oh, if I would have noticed it, I would have said something, you know, but I'm like, I I don't know at what point that it had happened. Like, had it been all day or did it just happen when I was home? I don't know, but just stuff like that. I'm like, this would only happen to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You. Only you, man. Oh my gosh. When <laughs> is oh when is the last time you did something for the first time? Ooh, mm. the last time I did something for the first time. Um, when I did dinner with designers last month, okay. that wasn't the first time we did the event, but that was the first time I was able to do an event with an actual like budget oh yes we love so that. 
for mm-hmm. as long as I've been doing it, I've been doing events for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. And as long as I've been doing it, it's been on a shoestring. Like I'm putting my own money into it and hoping that we get something on the back end or on the return or at least break even. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, luckily, I was blessed enough to get a grant from the Black Arts District and Baltimore Black Pride. Yes. So we were able to really like put our best foot forward with this event and I was able to pay everybody, which, you know, I'm a, I'm really trying to like live in a space where we're not asking people for favors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause that's kind of dead. We're, 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 yeah. we're moving beyond that space. That's so um, luckily this year I got that grant and I was able to, you know, give everybody a little something, even like the volunteers, I bought all the volunteers dinner. So it just felt good to be able to like really do it and do it on a level like where the event deserved that you know what I mean I love that are these grants that you apply for or were you like yes. okay mm-hmm. okay so in the beginning of the year <clears throat> like around January <clears throat> sorry I sat down and I was like there's so much money just mm-hmm. out here mm-hmm. and I just googled like grants in the city state grants I just started like looking into it and then I found about 40 different grants that I could apply for. And I applied for 33 of them. Okay. And out of the 33, I got six. Wow. Go Which, ahead. For not being a professional grant writer right. or someone who's even done it before. I've never done it before. So uh, we're not having any of that like real experience, just kind of like going for it off the string. Yeah. I was pretty proud of myself. I'm proud of you too. That's incredible. Thank you. You just had to go through the numbers and put mm-hmm. yourself out there. I love that. Yeah, it's like the grant, they would be asking for stuff, and I would have to Google, like, what is that? <laughs> How do I tell them that I have that? You know what I mean? Yeah. But we made it happen. I love that. Congratulations on that. Thank that's, you. That's, that's a big deal, because I do events, too, and I'm like, I think maybe the last event that, that I did was probably the, the first one that I profited from. A lot of people don't realize mm. they love coming to the Friends and Beauty events, and I'm like, I love throwing them, because I love creating this, you know, that space for the people. Space. I'm, I'm not making no money. Y'all know that, right? Like, right. I'm probably going in the hole doing this, but, you know, exactly. you'll get there. Like, you said you've been doing it for 15 years. Eventually, mm-hmm. you'll get to that point where you can make a profit. Because also, until recently, I never even thought about grants mm-hmm. or anything like that. I just always would hope that the event would be successful enough that I'd go home with something. You know what right, I mean? Right. So um, this year I've really, um, I've been put, I'm in a small business fellowship mm-hmm. and it's really opened my eyes to a lot of things about like how to run your business as a business. Like when you're doing all the jobs mm-hmm. in the business, when it's just you, yeah. you, you kind of get focused on producing, always making sure you got product, always making sure the event is together, always making sure everything is in line. And yeah. so you never take the time to think about like this, this wheel and why this wheel is squeaking a little bit or why this, you know what I mean? Like, and so it's kind of really put me into a perspective where I stepped outside of the operations of day to day to be like, okay, but I need to focus on all of these things so that we can make this part go smoother. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I'm very grateful for that experience. Yeah. Yeah. So the last one, if you weren't, I love this icebreaker. This is the best icebreaker session I feel like I've had, but um, last one, if you weren't an entrepreneur, a creative director, hosting, all the things, are there, is there anything else you could see yourself doing? You're just a whole creative. So when I, when I graduated, first of all, this is kind of embarrassing, but when I graduated from, when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. you couldn't tell me that Hillman wasn't like a real college. 
Hill Man. Like this show that a uh, different. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> uh -oh. Can you see me? The world is based on. Are we okay. good now? Okay, I think we're good. Yeah, I was like, "What happened?" Okay. That's <laughs> um, but yeah, when I was in high school, I was also obsessed with Vibe magazine, and so I just knew that when I graduated, I was going to move to New York and I was going to write for Vibe magazine. I was that that was just my future. It was going to be like brown sugar, but like in real life. You know <laughs> what I mean? And so that's what I wanted to do. So when I first graduated from school, I like looked up a bunch of like local publications and I started writing for. Uh, this magazine that used to uh, exist, which unfortunately doesn't anymore. But um, yeah, so that's what I initially kind of like started doing. And from there, that's what was putting me in these rooms with all the art and the events and things like that. So that's how I was kind of like, okay, I like this part of it, but I love that part of it. So I got to figure out how to get on this side of the, you know what I mean? So if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I think I'd be probably writing uh, if I could write full time. That's what mm -hmm. I'd be doing. That's really cool. Our vibe, Source, all those magazines. Mm -hmm. It needs to be a vibe. Oh, my God. For sure. I mean, especially in, like, the early 2000s, like, i say, like, 2003 to, like, 2008, Vibe Magazine really was, like, a beacon in yeah. the community. Like, mm -hmm. they set the tone for so many. And then they also came out with, like, Vibe Vixen, which was, like, the sexy Vibe Magazine. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then... They end up going to bankrupt. They actually filed for bankruptcy the year I graduated. Wow. So it was literally like that summer. I'm graduating and I'm like telling my friends like, yeah, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. And then literally two months after that, Vibe Magazine files for bankruptcy. Dang, that's crazy. So I was like, wow. Talk about a dream deferred. <laughs> so what school did you go to? Uh, which college or high school? College. I went to a few colleges because I was... <laughs> When I started college, I was in my like nomadic phase. So okay. I would literally be like, I don't want to live here anymore. And then I would just go to another school. So I started at um, Anne Arundel Community College, which is a community college here uh, where I live in uh, Annapolis. And then I went to Pines, which is a community college in, in Raymond, Mississippi. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, that was a culture shock. And I, I wanted to just be somewhere different. And I was like, you know, I feel like Mississippi is the most different. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I went down there and I was there for a whole year. And that was the most interesting cultural exchange I think I've ever had in my entire life. Interesting. Huh? It was wild. Like, I remember my, they put me in a speech class. Mm-hmm. Because they were like, we, you know, we feel like you could work on your speech a little bit. I'm like, I can't understand y'all. <laughs> it's not me it's y'all but they put me in a speech class and then uh i remember on campus they would call me the wire because you because I, I lived in baltimore so they would call me the wire i was like this is really crazy if y'all knew anybody else from baltimore you know i'm the furthest thing from the wire <laughs> but um yeah they used to call me the wire and it was being down there was really like being in like a, do you remember the group uh d4l the rap group. Oh, it sounds familiar, yeah. That's on the song Laffy Taffy. Yes. Yeah, it was like being stuck in one of their music videos for a whole year. Oh, no. The fashion. Every, yeah, the fashion, 
that like any any type of trend or anything, we would experience it like up here months before it would get down there. Mm-hmm. So like at the time, um, people were really into like guys were like dyeing their hair like red and blue. And up here, it had been happening like for at least two summers. And down there, it had like just hit. <laughs> so I remember we had came back from like spring break or something and everybody on campus had their hair dyed. And I was like, this is sick. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. We have been doing this for so long. Y'all are just like catching on to it. It was crazy. Like being uh, stuck, stuck in the time warp or something. Yeah. And then after that, I went to uh, Jackson Waters in Florida, mm-hmm. which I literally was there for one week. <laughs> <laughs> we went there and first, me and my best friend decided to go there together. Mm-hmm. So we both registered and, you know, they were like, come on down. We got you a dorm and everything and we'll get your schedule of classes when you get here. Yeah. So we packed up all our stuff, drove down there and we get there and we're in line this line for registration for an entire day. Mm. I'm like, this is something out of a, like a BET movie. Like uh-huh. the fact that we literally got there in line 8 a.m. and was in line until 4 p.m. and okay. never talked to a counselor, ne- nothing. Mm. Then the next day, so we ended up just getting a hotel. The next day we come back and like maybe around 11 o'clock, they're like, so all of our classes are currently full. You gotta be kidding so we're like, so what What does that mean? Are you telling us, like, we just don't have classes? We even came all the way down here, packed up our whole lives. Yeah. And they're like, no, you got a dorm, so you have a place to stay. You just stay on campus until things open up. And I'm like, I'm not about to be hanging out down here for, you know what I mean, for weeks until we get a class. That's kind of yeah. crazy. So we stayed to the end of that week trying to wait it out, and then we just went home. Wow, that's crazy. So that And I ended up at Coppin State University and that was the last uh university I attended. Okay, got you. Mm-hmm. Wow. That that is quite a journey. For sure. It's <laughs> quite a journey. Like especially that you were actually trying to go to school, you know. Yeah. Big trying. And also paying for it myself. Mm-hmm. So while I'm in school, I in the duration of that whole period outside of like Pell Grants I was I paid for everything like out of pocket. So I always was working like two or three jobs at a time to pay for school, as well as um I, I took out one loan when I went to Coppin. Yeah. And after that I was like, I'm never taking out another loan. It just it was crazy. When you look at the numbers, they should not be allowing teenage people right. <laughs> to take out these crazy amounts of money. It's really insane. It's abuse. You know? It's it's abuse. Like mm-hmm. it says, did you graduate from Coffin State? I did not. So okay. while I was at Coffin, and and it's not anyone's fault, but I, because I I realized I loved being at school, and I loved being a part of all the things that were happening, mm-hmm. but I didn't love being in school. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I was like, as much as I am learning things and getting all these experiences, I don't know if this is necessarily the path. Mm-hmm. And so after um, I was there for about a a year, which is like two semesters, and I dropped out Mm -hmm. and I ended up coming back home for like two months. And then I got a job, like a, you know, a grown up job, a nine to five, (laughs) and then immediately started like looking for an apartment and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of just fell into, you know, doing the grown up thing. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a while. And it wasn't until 
Well, no, actually, I did it for about after I got my apartment. I did it for like six months. And at the end of that six months, that's when I had lost that job and decided to start my own business. Got you. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, y'all, we, we, me and Rich Rocket actually met at the Styles brunch recently. Mm-hmm. And you were a panelist. How was I was. Experience? Thank you to Atara for having me. Yes. How was your experience at the Styles brunch? It was amazing. I'm, I'm grateful to one, be invited into that space because it was, you know, very empowering for the women it was like big lady energy in there like you know what i mean and so it was you know one to be the only one of the only men in the room was like kind of daunting i was like oof you know i've never been in that situation before uh-huh. uh but also just to see the joy like those a lot of times when you either go to events or throw events like a lot of times people are just there kind of figuring it out or they're there to support a person but all those women in the room were there for each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And th- that energy was like palpable. You could like feel it on your skin. Yeah. And I, I mean, I really hats off to Atar for creating that because that it was an electric space. It really was. It was. It was so beautiful. And then like all of the colors, mm-hmm. like the vibrant colors, it was just like a like a, just a visually like yeah. to see. It really well. like it tied it all together. Mm-hmm. For sure. I time that was my first time like stepping into doing kind of like correspondent type of stuff so mm-hmm. thank you Atara for you know trusting me with that as well mm-hmm. um but yeah I I totally enjoyed the styles much and your outfit I was like I was even like pleasantly surprised to see you because even though she opened it up to you know everybody mm-hmm. like, like you said you were still like one of the few men you know that yeah, was, I think there was so literally one there. other than the DJ yeah there was like one other guy there yeah, so like to and see he, you there, you know, and with the with the ladies, it was it mm, was it was crazy. Um, but I'm again very grateful to be able to be in that space because yeah. that's an experience I think everyone should be able to experience it. You know what I mean? For sure. So I, I was like, "Damn, we gotta wait till 2025." Like, I know when she about? posted that, I was like, "That must be a typo." I thought so too, and I was like, "Okay, is this an every other year thing?" Cause... Right, because I'm like, I, "This should be annual. People should be able to experience this, you know, once a year." Because I can see people being like, "I'm gonna start working on my fit for next year," you know, because yeah. I that's kind of how I would be with like Afropunk. Like as soon okay. as I would leave, I'm already planning out what I'm wearing next year mm-hmm. and planning my year around going to this one event. And I see I can see people doing that with the South Park. Yeah, totally, totally. If she gives us the theme ahead of time, like it's gonna be people will come harder next year. For sure. With the fits, with the fits. For sure. Speaking of Afropunk, tell me about your experience hosting Afropunk Brooklyn this year. It was insane. You know, on one hand, it was like this is one of the biggest like gigs of my entire life but on the other hand it just felt like I was going to work you know what I mean like it felt like it didn't feel out of body where I'm like oh my god I can't believe this is happening to me it felt like this is finally happening to me you You know what I mean like this is where I'm supposed to be I I knew back in I think the first time I ever went was like 2014 Uh and I knew back then like that this needed to be a part of my life like as soon as I stepped on the the grounds that day I was like oh this is where I belong these are my people this is my tribe like this is it and so it was just a matter of me trying to figure it out like how do I get where do I fit how do I get into it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so I was going every year and then I even went to um, Atlanta 
once because they do okay. Atlanta, they do Brazil, never Paris, Afro punk before. Yeah, they oh they they do it. It's I will say this: if you've never been, go to Brooklyn first. Okay, Brooklyn is the mecca of Brooklyn's where it started. Okay. Brooklyn has like the heart of it, and regardless of like how much it changes and you know whatever, Brooklyn will always be like the pinnacle where okay. like where the light shines from is Brooklyn. Okay. Um, Atlanta is fun, but Atlanta is like the Atlanta version of what it originally was. So it is different. You okay. know what I mean? Like culturally, because it's yeah. like that that crowd. Exactly. So I definitely say if you're if you've never been, go to Brooklyn first. And then if you decide like I want to go check out Atlanta, see the Atlanta version, you know what I mean? Yeah. But definitely go to Brooklyn first. I mean, it's just now they, they also just this year was the first year they moved it from the uh, Commodore Berry Park where it had been since 2014. Okay. So this year was a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like, I I will never forget, like, that first year I saw almost every single one of my favorite artists in one place, yeah. which, and I think I, the first year I only paid like 80 bucks mm-hmm. for the weekend ticket. And I'm like, that was just, that part of the experience itself was unforgettable. Yeah. But then, like everything else that was happening that weekend, like it just it was it changed my life. Yeah. And so being able to get to now experience it from the other side was also you know life changing because it just felt like affirming, like full circle. Yeah. Hey, I have a serious question for you. You trust me, right? Yes. I heard you say yes, right? You heard them say yes, right? Okay, listen, if you said yes and you have a product or service-based business that you want to expose to a loyal and engaged audience, then consider letting me share your business here on the Friends of Beauty podcast. Studies have shown that podcast listeners tend to trust the host, making the advertising messages more authentic and credible. And my favorite part, which a lot of people don't know, is the longevity Unlike traditional ads that have a limited lifespan and disappear after your budget has been exhausted, my podcast episodes are available indefinitely. This means that your ad will continue to reach new listeners long after the initial episode airs. And you already know my consistency is off the chain. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. And as the Friends of Beauty podcast continues to grow, your brand will continue to reach a new audience. That's how it works here. So don't wait any longer. I want to expose your brand to my Friends of Beauty. All you have to do is click the link below with all of the details and we can make it happen. Anyways, let's go ahead and get back to the episode. You know what I mean? So, like, where do you go mentally when you have to prepare for something like this? Like, when when you have to prepare to be in front of a crowd, to speak, or just to be on, period? Like, how do you mentally prepare for that? Well, one, as I explained earlier, I'm a middle child, so we're perpetually on. (laughs) Like, there's a part of us that is always on. You know what I mean? Uh, But I just, you know, and not to say, like, everyone can't possess this. But I do feel like there's a part of me that is just made for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like when it's time for me to get ready for those kind of things, I do have some like rituals that I like slip into. Mm-hmm. So and this one is probably kind of gross. But like the week of if I'm doing like a big event or I'm preparing to get on stage, I won't like shave. 
I will shower a little less. Like I really go into like a caveman kind of state until the day of the event. And then you kind of like wash it all off and you become this like new creature. You know what I mean? And so that's like one of my little like rituals. I also like go super hard in the gym, like right Mm -hmm. before an event so that when I'm stepping on stage, I just feel strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also like will stay away from anything that will feel too influential so like I won't watch uh, like anything that's like a stand-up comedy or anything like that or listen to certain kinds of music because I wouldn't want that to influence what I bring to the stage yeah. to make sure that I'm always being Rich Rocket versus yeah. like Rich Rocket but I just watched the Cat Williams special so now those jokes are sliding you know what I mean or whatever um, I just try to make sure that I'm, I'm being free and clear during mm-hmm. that time. I like that. I like that. I feel like a lot of times if I have to deliver like a speech. So like the other day I got invited to like a panel Mm -hmm. and I didn't find out until that day. I had a feeling, but I didn't find out for sure until that day that they were going to actually have a speak like individually Mm. and like give a nugget. So I'm like, Mm. what do I, for me, I have to go into like a meditative state and like really just myself and be like, what do the people need to hear? Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to like repeat myself and talk about things. So I love talking about networking. So I could easily give them like a networking gym or something. But I'm like, what do the people need to hear? So I'll go into like a meditation and just like let something like come up to me and then like mm-hmm. expand on that. Okay. So I'm still trying to find my little my little flow, but I would love to know because Afropunk is a big deal. So what are the what are some of the things in your opinion that you did leading up to Afropunk for them to even say we want Rich Rocket to come and host this? Well, I campaigned. Okay. So I I try to do it the regular way. You know, I mm-hmm. put together my press kits and I would search their website for like an email address and, and I would like I even scanned my audience to be like, hey, does anyone know anybody that's in on Afropunk mm-hmm. or knows a person that knows a person that works down the street from the office or something like just to get me on the floor I tried that for like months to no avail Mm. and I any email I could find I could send a press kit or whatever but I was getting nothing back so I had an idea where I was like okay social media as much as there's like a lot of negative things that we can consume or 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 connotate with social media it is a tool that connects us to things and it as we've learned sometimes too connected to something (laughs) Uh, but you know we can use it to do that Mm -hmm. so I I also since I've been going to Afropunk almost every year that I've been they featured me or my look on their page Uh so I was thinking about that and I was like okay what I'm gonna do is I'm going to reach out to like 300 of my followers. And I'm going to say, if I could get each one of y'all to go and comment on this picture, and I would send them the post, and I would say, comment on this picture and say, let Rich Rocket host. Yes. So at first I was like 300, but then I said, I'm going to reach out to 600. Because one thing I learned in this fellowship, that if you want to like get things from people, you can't ask 100 people for $1 and expect to get $100. Right. You have to ask 200 people for $1 and then you'll get $100. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I reached out to 600 people wow. and 300 of them <laughs> commented on that post. Wow. Right? And so after that, like a week or two went by and I didn't really, you know, there was no response, no real action on their end. So I said, okay, found another post of me on their page. Did the same thing. 
This time we had about 250. Right. So now after this, they started watching, Afropunk started watching my story. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, so they, they're they paying attention. And it wasn't just like one time, it was like every like three or four days, they're, they're coming through the story and see what's going on. So then, it was about the time they were about to drop the official like lineup for who was performing. Uh-huh. So when they dropped the lineup, I sent that post to everybody and I said, this time, don't say let Retrock it host. Just go on that post and say, but who is the host? Who's hosting? So that we're not like being repetitive and showing that we're like having some ingenuity in the approach. And so after that, two weeks went by and people were literally like messaging me, like, because people are invested at this point. So they're like, what's going on? Have you heard from them? Are you reaching out to them? What did they say? And I'm like literally laying low because I'm like, I really asked thousands of people (laughs) to do this thing. And I haven't heard anything. There's been no response or anything other than them watching my story. And so literally, I, I I was sitting at my desk. I got three messages. One was like somebody being like, what's going on with Afropunk? Did you ever hear back from Afropunk? And then the last message was from Afropunk. I love this title. And they, were like, they were like, Rich, we hear you loud and clear. Like, let's start the conversation. So we started the emails and the emails turned into contracts and then boom, boom, boom. And it was good to go. I absolutely love this story because what I'm hearing from this, like you're my type of guy because Thank you. I am very persistent in that way as well. Like, especially if it's something I really want, number one. Number two, mm-hmm. I'm I'm persistent in that way when someone tells me like, reach out to me or like follow up. They told me to do it, so I'm gonna keep on doing it. Right, but exactly. What I love about this is like how you utilized your network, how you, you know, you reached out, you didn't hear anything, you kept going. Mm-hmm. I'm like, literally, somebody would have to be like, "Girl, stop!" Like we've seen people uh, <laughs> comment, right. "We don't want you." Like, right, it's you not. Know, somebody you. would have to be like direct for me to be like, you know, maybe I might try. Right, like, let me later. let me chill out a little bit. But what I've realized with a lot of people is like a lot of people are just scared. Like a lot of people, I don't know if it's like um a foundational thing because mm. I have a friend that told me recently like the way that she grew up, she didn't really grow up being able to ask for help or mm. being able to ask for certain things. But a lot of people are afraid to just ask people for help. Yeah. Like, where does and, that come I mean, from? people are afraid to ask for anything in general. Like uh, one big thing that we've been talking about a lot in the fellowship that I'm in is, um, you know, it's some people's job to, because, and this goes back to like grants and stuff, but it's some people's job to literally give out money. It's their job. Mm-hmm. But we're still scared to like apply or ask or or reach out because it's, it's a, like a stigmatism with that. Yeah. We feel like if we're asking for money or, we're, or we're, it's like us saying we need help and we don't want to ever appear that we need help. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, if you need help, you need help. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or if you want to get to a different space, you have to figure out what, what's the motive or the locomotion that's going to get you there. Yeah. And for me, it was like, in the beginning of this year, again, I, I really said this was going to be a year of change for everything, like the clothing company, for the personal brand. I was going to make changes because I feel like, you know, like I said before, I've been at this for like 15 years. Yeah. And there's no reason why I still should be doing the same kind of gigs mm-hmm. and the same kind of working in the same place and, and the same price points and, and things like that. Like this was the year I was like, things are going to change. Elevation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, you know, I was just like, I'm going to ask for the big things. I'm going to do 
because I, I've earned it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, it's time. And the only person who would be able to know that would be me because it's in everybody's own time. Like, you know, I still on some levels prior to this felt like I was paying my dues in a lot of ways because in my mind, I wasn't doing the hosting consistently. Okay. You know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'm not ready. And, and that's another thing, like your inner saboteur will really like once they, they said yes, my mind started telling me no. Right, imposter syndrome. Yes. So there were times where I was like, you know, we were like a week away. And I was literally like, what What am I going to get up there and say? I'll be doing the same thing. (laughs) Like, what am I actually going to get on this stage to say to these people? What am I going to do? What am I going to wear? I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't know what I'm doing. They really chose me. Like, okay. (laughs) Right. And But that was the thing that brought me back. Because I'm like, you know, I'm like. Like, yes, they chose you, though. And that's the thing. I'm like, I don't have all these followers. I'm not on Instagram shucking and jiving and dancing and being funny and putting on wigs and whatever else. You know what I mean? Why would they choose me? Mm-hmm. But then I had to realize that they did. You know what I mean? They chose me. Let and me so, ask you something too. Just off mm-hmm. of the, the fact that you say I'm not on Instagram, you know, doing dances and wigs and all that stuff. Do you think that when you are really like authentically like yourself, it takes mm-hmm. just a little bit longer for you to get Oh, 100%. To where 100%. I mean, these machines that we use, you know, Instagram, all those things, they are driven by things that are trending. Mm-hmm. So if you're a person that's not on a wave of trend, if you're not always going to be, because once you kind of commit to that, you have to commit to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I, I never want, and it's, it's funny because like, I used to do this character uh, with my friend. Uh, we called them Connie and Francis. And we would put on these wigs and we would just do it in front of our friends. It wasn't something that we were, I think we have maybe one recording of it, but um, we used to just do it. uh, It it was Connie and Francis were these women who like their whole lives were about luxury, but they were dirt poor. They dressed raggedy. You know what I mean? Their wigs were shabby, but everything, like everything they did was like luxurious to them. Yeah. And so, um, and, but they, they just had this warped, very like idea of luxury so like we would do these rants where we'd be like you know what's luxury when you haven't seen your children for four days that's <laughs> luxury you know what I mean like we would say like stupid stuff like that and um I remember when we did post it one time people were like oh my god this is funny like you should do this keep doing this and I'm like no this is not <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get locked into doing this character because I would hate to you know 10 years from now still be having to do Connie and Francis forever you know right, what I mean? Right. When that's, that's literally like this much of what I actually can do, yeah. you know, because imagine like somebody like Martin and, and how many people still come up to him and his day to day doing shenanigans. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like that. The, I didn't I just didn't want to get locked into something like that. So I made that decision a long time ago that I'm just going to present Rich Rocket. There's variations of that that, you know, certain communities will appreciate Mm-hmm. But I'm never going to lean too far into one thing, regardless of how trendy it is or how popular that thing might have been. I'm going to present the overall at all times. Yeah, and I, I just I just think that's really important for people to realize, because I do know there there are a lot of people who have been grinding for a long time. And they, they're starting to really question themselves, like, do people see me? I know I, I used to feel that way, like, yeah. Do y'all really like they? I be like, these people sleeping on me. I be like, mm, they see no, me. but people 100%. always be telling me like, 
it's just going to take a little bit more time because I, because I'm not out here doing because okay this is how I feel I don't know how my friends be, beauty feel but this is very transparent y'all like very very transparent my friends know but mm-hmm. I feel like because I'm a makeup artist but I feel like because I don't have a certain look there's a look that a lot of successful people that are in the industry have where it's the weave right 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 right. makeup and stuff like that I don't I don't even I'm nowhere near that Mm -hmm. but I've always noticed that certain people flock to that and like Mm -hmm. they eat it up but I'm like what about little O'Neal what about everything else so it's like really staying true to like who you are knowing that you are on an assignment the people that are going to rock with you will rock with you yes your tribe will definitely find you you, your tribe would definitely find you. So I love the fact that you mentioned that. And now you done, you're stamped on Afropunk history for forever. It's forever. crazy. Yeah, forever. So, I mean, I remember um, as I'm like, the, we're wrapping up the last night. Because mm-hmm. they, first of all, I didn't think, one, I thought they were just going to give me like a small stage off the side because there's usually multiple stages. Uh-huh. So I thought they were just going to give me like a little small stage and just let me rock for like a few hours on Saturday or something. I remember getting on the call and then being like, no, you're the you're the host, the main stage host for both days. For Afropunk. For both days. So I was like, oh my God. Like that that changed the game for me. And then I remember on the last the last day, I was like, I have to do something to commemorate this, like that this happened. I you know what I mean? So against you know, against the rules, which is kind of very punk of me to do. Uh-huh. But like, you know, they, I was about to announce Tiana Taylor. She was our closer. Okay. And they told me, you know, like, they were doing all this setup backstage, and it was like so crazy. And they were like, uh, you know, just go out there and announce her, you know, whatever, whatever. But I was like, I, I would be remiss if I didn't take just 30 seconds to like, tell people the story. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So when I went out there, I was like, you know, it's been a full circle moment for me to be you know, down there, and now I'm up here, and I was like, and y'all, I need y'all to record, a, I'm gonna record a video so we can show this to my mom, because she doesn't think I have a real job, so <laughs> <laughs> I need y'all to say, like, go off for track, and so my mom knows that I'm at work, and this is my real job, and this yeah. is what I'm doing, and so the, and they they all said it, all the uh, video, and it was just like this magic little, you know, my little piece to take away, yeah. so I'm like, yeah, that I and I sometimes would just sit here and just watch that video, just to be like, that really happened to me. You know what I mean? I love that. I love that. Did you celebrate in any kind of way afterwards? Like decompress, well, acknowledge I, that it happened. I came home and I just didn't move for like three days, which mm-hmm. was like amazing. I just needed because also again, when you're like the whole business, anytime you're still, I don't know about you, but I'm always thinking of something that I need to be doing. So I never have any like real moments of just stillness. Yeah. And so I purposely gave myself, even though I didn't do a lot for three days, I gave myself one day of just like actual stillness. Like I turned my brain off. I turned mm-hmm. my phone off. I just watched like all the Harry Potters in order and <laughs> ordered like really bad food yeah. and just laid on the couch. And it was like, this was, it was, it was so just nice to change the pace you know what I mean 
Yeah, I love that. What do you yeah. think about proof of concept as well? Because as a lot of people as well, they want to do things like host Afropunk or just you know step into different arenas. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to somebody about proof of concept. I'm imagining that you know when you were tagging or having people tag Afropunk that you already had some things on your page for them to see that you were capable. Oh yeah, of, you know doing this. Yeah, fully to me like me and my good friend were just talking about the shows today. Because I feel like in some ways, social media has changed so much in the last two years, much less five years. Yeah. But um, it definitely isn't like fun like it used to be. Like social media, Instagram used to be fun. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of like this other beast. You know what I mean? And so you have to develop your own relationship with it for it to work for you. Mm-hmm. So for me, I curate my Instagram to literally be a living portfolio. Okay. I want people to come there and be able to see in those last nine posts that you're going to see when you first get there, you should be able to tell like what I'm up to, what I have done and what I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then on my story, every day I'm engaging with people to keep that audience like engaged. Yeah. So it gets to a point where like some people even come to my story like, oh, you didn't post about this today or you didn't do a poll today or where's this? You know what I mean? Exactly. And that just means like, we're keeping them engaged. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, 100% for me, Instagram has become like a tool versus like something I'm just doom scrolling on yeah. in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? Being intentional about, you know, Instagram mm-hmm. and social media journey. And um, it should, yeah, it should tell people like, not just what you've done, but where you're going. It should be kind of telling the story of what you're, what you got going on next. Like yeah. people should be able to, and, and we don't want to say that people should make assumptions but they should be able to look at this and be like okay this person is a fit or they're not mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. this is uh, I'm just loving talking I could talk to you all freaking <laughs> day I want to know about your journey to art basil is it art basil or art basil like I really think it depends on who you're talking <laughs> to honestly because I keep I keep saying basil but every time I talk to different people I hear it differently I no one ever corrects me I don't ever correct anybody else <laughs> So I think it's where you're from is how you say it. But, okay. Um, so I actually met my friend Terrence like two years ago. Mm-hmm. I was at this bar and he was out on the balcony. And I remember I went out on the balcony to just get some air because it was like really stuffy. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting there and I don't even remember how we started talking. But um, I had just come back from Miami. And I was talking and he said something and I was like, you know, I really hate Miami. And I just went on this rant about how it's another one of those cities where I just don't feel like it agrees with me. Uh-huh. And so I'm going on this whole rant for maybe like 15 minutes. And then he just goes, oh, I live in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> and so we uh, we just had this back and forth. And then so then he brought up our Basel and he's like, have you ever been? And I was like, no, it's something that's always intrigued me, but it's always right at the time of my birthday. Mm-hmm. My birthday is December 15th, and okay. our Basel's those first two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I'm always like, it's always like a decision. Like, is that really what I want to spend my birthday doing? Yeah. Or do I want to go somewhere else and celebrate and do something else? So um, he was like, well, we're going to see about, you know, you doing that soon. Because I was wearing a piece that I had made, and he that's how we started talking. So okay. he complimented the piece, and then we kind of went from there. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, well, if this is what you do, you should bring this down there okay and so a year went by and um we had 
I think follow each other on Instagram, but you know how sometimes you follow people that just kind of get lost in the sauce. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I had hosted Baltimore Pride the year after that, and he was there. And oh. so he saw me on stage. And when I came off the stage, he came up to me and was like, Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but we met, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, uh, you know, let me get your phone number so we can actually like stay connected for real. Mm-hmm. And so from there, he saw that I had did, um, I did some, oh, I did a presentation. I did costumes for a play in DC in January Okay. where I designed like all the pieces for the people in the play. Okay. And so he saw that and he reached out and was like, let's talk about like doing it this year for real. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And so we started so talking is, about it. Then. So what is he, what was his role? Like what does he do? So something? he works at a museum. Okay. Okay. In Miami. In yeah. this town, in the part of Miami called Overtown, which okay. is like historically black area. Mm. So he works at a museum down there, but he's also part of the Black Collectors Guild. So he's connected to a lot of like the galleries all over the East Coast. Got you. And okay. he's also an artist himself. Got you. So, so he's, he's heavily connected in the scene. And the one thing about like uh, big events like Art Basel, Fashion Week, all those kind of things, there's always people trying to sell you like, an adjacent idea to what's going on so they'll be like oh yeah i'm doing this show during fashion week but no your event is adjacent to fashion week it's happening at the same time as fashion week but it's not involved with fashion week Mm -hmm. and so i remember the first thing i said to him on the call was like i don't want to do anything our basel adjacent i want to be on the ground if i'm coming down there Mm -hmm. i want to be in the mix you know and he was like Okay, so then we uh, we worked out an idea and I came up with a concept for the exhibition and we made it happen. So I will be doing my first Art Basel presentation this year. <laughs> that, so around your birthday. Mm-hmm. That is so exciting. It is. It's really, it's just, this year just has been like, you know, so mm-hmm. wild and like, it's all because just, you know, I told myself, yes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I just, I want that for everybody. I want people to be able to, you know, when you feel that you're ready, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you'll know, everybody will know when they're ready, but I, I want that for everybody around me, seriously. So this is going to be a fashion exhibition? Yes. So this will actually be our third exhibition this year. Mm-hmm. So... What we've been, what I've been doing is, I, I in the beginning of the year when I said I wanted to change things, I was like, I, you know, how do people usually consume fashion? How do they take it in? And that's usually like fashion shows, yeah. or you know, watching bloggers on Instagram put clothes on. And I was like, how can I present what I present, but make it another way that is still digestible, but like it's new information. You know what I mean? Mm. So I got contacted by a friend of mine, um, Ian Haddock, who runs the Normal Anomaly, which is a LGBTQIA plus based organization in Houston. And every year they do this big music festival called the Black Queer Spuck Festival. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. So I went to it last year just on a whim. Like me and some friends were in Houston at the same time it was going on. And I remember I sent him an email afterwards. I'm like, yo, this was an amazing event. Like, yeah. it was just crazy. And so I was like, I don't know how, but like, I would love to be involved next year some kind of way. Um, so he was like, well, we'll talk about it. And so after, um, you know, we had our little correspondence back then, 
I put together this idea of how to present fashion just in a different way. And so I explained the concept to him. He really liked it. We put it together. And then the the presentation actually is what opened the festival. So it was the first thing that everyone got to see. And um, not to give too much away because I still have two more presentations left, but um, it's basically like fashion as a performance. Mm -hmm. So we're taking the idea of like the construction of the garment, like how it begins is how the presentation starts and then how it ends is everybody's fully dressed. Right. So I'm literally like taking measurements, you know, doing all the things and then dressing people at the end of the presentation. So it's like you get to see it from, you know, start to finish versus the coat walking by you and then that's the end. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So is this under Vintage Vintage Thrivals? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so so when did you start doing that? So the first the first one was um the Houston exhibition. So okay. that was in May. And then we did it again at the Newark uh, Museum of Art in New Jersey for their Pride Ball. So we opened the Pride Ball with the presentation and then we just did it again for um Dinner with Designers, which is my event here in Baltimore. Yes. And then the last one for the year will be our Basel. This is so this is so dope. I want to go to one one day. I know I can't do Art Basel, but if you do it again in... We're going to... I am going to post, so I'm beefing up. I've been listening to the people because a lot of people are like, we don't know what you're doing because you don't ever really post about it. And for me, I just want my post to be so perfect. So I I sit here and like tweak and tweak and tweak and then it's nine months later and I never post it. (laughs) So I'm taking this week specifically to build out all the content from the summer, from everything... And I'm putting it all together. So I definitely will have at least two of the presentations on YouTube by the end of this. Well, one by the end of this week for sure. But scheduled for, you know, to drop throughout the rest of the week. So from now until my birthday, I will actually be posting more consistently with all the content. Because I have everything. I just need to take the time. You know what I mean? So So I'm taking the time this week to do it. Yeah, when did you get into fashion and designing, styling, and and then Vintage Thrivals? Vintage Thrivals was born because, so when I graduated from high school, I was about, at my largest, I think it was like 420 pounds. Like mm-hmm. I was a much larger person. And it never was that I wasn't happy with like myself. The biggest like leader for me to like lose weight was I hated buying clothes that just covered my body. Yeah. I was like, I'm an expressive person. I want to express myself through the way I dress. And at the time, like, you know, plus size innovation wasn't really on the forefront. Like mm-hmm. you literally all all plus or big larger clothes were like in the back of the store. And it was just kind of like the snickel for it's like whatever was back there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Wasn't no going online and finding cool stuff. It was just like whatever you could find in the back of a rugged warehouse or Marshalls, you know what I mean? Like, that's what you had to wear. Yeah. And so um, I I just kind of got tired of that. So I started to lose weight uh, and also for health reasons, I wanted to be healthier. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as I was like getting smaller, I was like, okay, so yeah, I can fit more things, but I still am not able to really find things that I feel speak to my experience. Mm -hmm. I want people to be able to look at me and kind of 
get an idea of what they're about to get into before they get into it, you know? Yeah. So then I started like doing little things like uh, cutting my t-shirts or, or painting on them and like little, just little here and there. And people were really like starting to take notice of it. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, it was like 2014 when I decided to paint a jacket, like a full, like head to toe. Cause I've always been a very avid thrifter. I love thrift shops. Like okay. if thrifting was an Olympic sport, I would be a gold medalist, like <laughs> sincerely. So um, I've always like had a, a centric kind of style, like liked older things. Yeah. Um, but then I decided to like go ahead and really like go for it. And I remember one day I was wearing a jacket that I had painted. I was walking to a gig, a hosting gig. And literally the light had changed as I was crossing the street. And this guy comes up and slams on the brakes through the light. And so I turned around because he was like, was right behind me. Uh-huh. And he yells like, yo, where'd you get that jacket? And I was like, this man almost killed me <laughs> to I find know. out where my jacket came from. Uh-huh. So then I was like, okay, maybe I'm on something. You know what I mean? So then I started to make, well, first I started this with vintage resale. So I was buying things and then just kind of reselling them. Okay. And I was like, this is cool, but there are like a hundred people doing this. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't really speak to me specifically. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and then people still would be wanting to know, like they'll come up to my setup and they'll be like, oh, this is all nice, but where'd you get what you're wearing? Where'd that come from? And so that's when I started to be like, okay, let's develop some ideas and concepts around like how to turn what I'm wearing into what other people are wearing. Mm -hmm. And the brand kind of just over time has grown from that. That's really cool. I saw one of the jackets that you did. It was like this smiley face. I I can't remember the name. I saw the name. It was so dope though. Thank you. I forget the name of it. It's like- It's probably called like the days, the one with the wavy. Yeah, like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really cool. So are you really into- the whole movement of being sustainable and everything. Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. I feel like honestly, sustainability is our future. If we don't practice it, then like it'll be our demise essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's not to a point where like, um, cause j- just like recycling, like it's on the onus of the people who do it. Mm-hmm. If you do recycle, then you are part of what's helping us to sustain the planet. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then you're a part of the problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just like with clothing, like I just think that a lot of people don't put as much thought into where we get our clothes, where our clothes come from, uh, what brands we should be supporting, what those brands support, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Like we don't put that much thought into it as we do with other things. And I feel like anywhere where you're putting your money, you should be thinking about where that money is actually going. Yeah. beyond you know hand to hand you know what I mean mm-hmm. so when you're buying something from you know ASOS or whatever like what does the what does ASOS believe in what is the morals of the company mm-hmm. you know what I mean like if you're gonna invest in a school in your education you're gonna want to know more about that school you're gonna want to know the things that school represents what yeah. it stands for what the people who went there have been doing you should be putting the same thought into everything honestly mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know what I mean so, like, even with me and, like, thrifting, like, I don't go to Goodwills. I don't go to, uh, like, Salvation Armies or anything. And it's not necessarily because they're bad. I just know that their mission is not necessarily about sustainability. Their mm-hmm. mission is more community-based. Okay. So, like, Goodwills are really about 
providing jobs for people who can't get jobs and or have who have been previously incarcerated or things like that. So that's really their mission. So are they really concerned about the clothes in the thrift store? No. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But the little mom and pop thrift shop, they're actually a small business. So me supporting them is supporting the business. Mm-hmm. And that's their mission. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it's like little things like that where it's like it only takes a second to be like, all right, let's piece this together yeah. and then find your place in that, you know? So when it comes to like sustainability, should people be thrifting more or should we be going about like disposing our clothes differently? Like it's 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 the set it's the latter part. Okay. I, I mean thrifting is not for everybody. Some people just can't be bothered. And that's mm-hmm. fair. You know what I mean? We live in a society where there are people who won't wear certain things twice. But it's all about how you dispose of that clothing. Okay, so okay. when you go to get rid of that, you know, those pieces, are you throwing, some people will just throw clothes right in the trash, mm-hmm. which that's crazy because most clothing, especially vintage or older clothing can take up to, you know, five to seven years to fully like bio disintegrate. Mm-hmm. So when it goes to the landfill and they just bury it in the ground, it's just in the ground. It's not breaking down. It's not coming apart. And that's clearly not conducive to the Earth's, you know, cycle. Environment. So we have to be mindful of that. So if you can, where you can, donate versus actually throwing clothes away. Um, And then also, like, seeing what's available to you in your community. There are people like me who, I have friends who literally will just bring me their clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, all oh, these things don't fit or I'm not wearing them anymore. And then I, in turn, turn them into wearable art pieces and sell them. So it adds to the cycle. Now someone else is getting something new and exciting that no one else will ever have. And they'll have their chance to, you know, love on that piece and let it live through them. And then it'll have its cycle somewhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and another part of sustainability is just instead of buying things, because I think the one thing that people have moved away from when it comes to clothing is buying the quality things you know what I mean when you buy something that's a little more expensive you tend to want to take care of it so instead of like if you spend a hundred dollars on a pair of jeans when they don't fit or they get a tear chances are you're not going to throw them away you're going to find a tailor or you know what I'm saying like so I think if people go back to investing into quality things the things will live with them longer yeah. versus just throwing it. Like if you get a pair of Fashion Nova jeans for $7 mm-hmm. and they tear, you're not going to pay $30 to have them fixed. You're yeah. going to just throw them away. Right. You know what I mean? So, and also a lot of those fast fashion companies, the materials that they use, they're not sustainable in any way. I was like, going to ask you about that too. The fast, yeah. fast, the fast fashion. And then also, I feel like it was either... I think it was Fashion Nova. It was this dress that I was looking at and it had a warning under it, like as far as the fabric. It's saying mm-hmm. that it caused cancer and like- Some so of those stuff. fabrics literally are so hazardous. Not only that, but they're not made to last. So you wash them like two or three times and you can literally see them start to disintegrate. Mm. So it's like, what are you really paying for? Yeah. Like, yeah, you'll have your dress for that one party. You know what I mean? But after that, like now you just have this- nothing dress where if you invest in a piece that you could wear again or that is versatile enough that you can like work it into your wardrobe for another season or another kind of look then your club your look is now growing 
You know what I mean? And I think this also stems from a lot of people not having a personal aesthetic. You know what I mean? When people don't have an idea of the silhouettes they want to present or like how they want to show up, then they kind of just go for whatever is either very trendy or what's in front of them. Yeah. So if you're consuming a lot of, you know, IG baddies, then when you get ready to go somewhere, that's how you want to look. Yeah. And they're wearing fast fashion. So that's what you're going to go to versus Mm -hmm. being like, okay, I know this is my silhouette is, you know, for me, it's always going to be a baggy top. I mean, yeah, baggy top, um, tight bottom. So always like a slim fit or like something tight on the bottom, something baggy or oversized on the top. So that's always going to be how I'm presenting. So I can work with a baggy sweater or a oversized blazer. I know what works. So then I can like work through what I have and always come up with a combination inside of that idea. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. But when people don't invest in that time with themselves or, you know, have someone help them figure that out, then they're just kind of always freestyling. Dag, dag. Yeah, I know a lot of people who um who do thrifting. They're like really into this sustainable part of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this the fast fashion is um I guess it's taking over in a sense because maybe maybe getting your little Shein. Yeah, Shein, and that. I mean I'm I'm not innocent. I have Shein before. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> like I love me Shein. You know, uh, but again, when I when I go on there, I'm looking for pieces that one, I know I'm not going to be thrown away after one wear or two wears. There's things that I can work into other looks, mm-hmm. you know, something that I'm working into a wardrobe versus like, I just need this dress for this event on Friday. And that's mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Yeah, got you. So are, are you from Baltimore? I'm from Annapolis. So Annapolis. I'm, I'm right outside the city. Um, and I grew up here uh, in actually a little country neighborhood called Skidmore, where, you know, it was dirt roads and everybody on the block is your cousin. Uh, you know what I mean? That's how I grew up. So th- do you think that had a um, a hand in shaping your fashion sense? If you were kind of like. No. <laughs> but like in, in the sense that you want to stand out, like there's not. Yeah. A lot of yeah. Okay. That, yeah. In that way. Doing. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but also I feel like over time, again, I spend a lot of time, especially in these last like three or four years, like getting to know myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know that sounds very like cliche, but I feel like um, I really had to like sit down and be like, okay, how, how do I want to show up in the world? How do I want people to see me? Because I feel like once you take control of that narrative, then people can't define you outside of that narrative. Mm-hmm. So once you have it in your mind, how you want to show up, how you're showing up. And that that's in like not just how I look, but how I'm showing up for my friends, how I'm showing up for my family, how I'm showing up for the people around me. Like mm-hmm. once I had that idea of who I am in that sense, then I can really, when I show up, no one can negate what's happening. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I'm in control. Yeah. So I really define my style also in that same energy. Because I was like, you know, I need to figure that out for myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't really know much about Annapolis. Like, I feel like I could probably count the amount of times I've gone to Annapolis. Yeah, we, I mean, well, we're, we are the state's capital, contrary to a lot of uh, people don't believe. The people think that, like either Baltimore or like, you know, D.C. is the capital. But Annapolis is the state capital. We have the government buildings. Um, and we also have the Naval Academy, St. John's College. Um, and every year we have like boat show, which is like this huge thing. Mm-hmm. Boat show takes over the city for like two weeks. It's crazy. Wow. And it's literally what it says, like people selling boats. But this is a big like, you know, water main 
city. So mm -hmm. people buy boats here and it's like a big thing. Um, we have like a little downtown with bars and restaurants and stuff and it's cute. Mm -hmm. I If I didn't already live here, I wouldn't be dying to get here. Uh, you know I mean? The last time Not, I came out there, I came to do um the governor, Westmore, um, when he got Elect, elected, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, official term. But I had to do his his male grooming for like his official picture that they put oh, nice. in the office or whatever. Yeah, so that was like the last time I was out there. It might have been this year or last year. Is his skin as like tight and perfect as it looks? It was like great skin. I mean, he just he looks like he puts it on every morning. Like gets up, mm -hmm. takes it out of a box, and like. Touches it onto his face. Yeah, he has amazing skin. Like very easy to work with, and like just his presence too. Like when you mm -hmm. walked in the room, it was just like a light. Like, huh? nice. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> I love that presence and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Okay, Annapolis. Period. Mm -hmm. So, this has been a great conversation. When you think about just your contribution to like the industry, to the world, or just with your art in general. Do you know what kind of legacy that you want to leave? Even if it's I a just hope, legacy. I just hope that there is at some point someone who sees what I've done and just is able to equate that there's space for them too. Mm -hmm. That's that's my biggest hope is that like somebody will see all of my labor and be like, okay, I can do my wild dream, my thing that doesn't make sense to anybody else or yeah. or that I can't even fathom right now. I know that it's possible because this person has done these things. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really what I want more than anything. Yes. And I could definitely I could definitely see that in just the journey that you've been on. You said you've been doing <laughs> this for 15 years. Do you do you feel like there or do you feel like this is your moment where things are starting to pop off? Or do you was there a certain point in your career? It's hard to say because I feel like you know, your moment could feel like a moment for you, but it could not present as a moment. Yeah. Uh, and then there's other times where, because like, prime example, the Afropunk thing, everyone has been like, what was that like? How did that feel? But like, for me, it just felt like, like I said, going to work. Like, so yes, I, I do recognize the magnitude of what that was, but I don't want to stay right there because I know that, you know, next year I want to host Essence. You know what I mean? So I know that that's not it. I know that's not, you know, that's, it's a staple, but it's not the whole magazine. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. How do you so, feel? Um, I don't. I don't know if I'll be able to recognize the moment. Yeah. And if if things keep going right, there'll be many moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you do get stuff like Afropunk or the Pride Ball and Black Queer AF, you know all those things, and you feel like you're supposed to be there. Like this is just work. Like this is you know I'm supposed to be here. How do you feel when people tell you congratulations? I have never really been one who's like easy to take compliments. Yeah. So even sometimes when people be like, uh, oh, I really like your outfit. I'm like, but why? You know what I mean? <laughs> what do you like about it exactly? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm learning to be able to like be present for that when people are complimenting me or saying things like that. And I get for people who are outside of the realm of like the type of work that I do they see that as these milestones. Yeah. But again, for me, like, it's work. I'm at work. I'm doing what I'm, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So I do, I'm in a better space with, like, accepting compliments and receiving that. But also, like, to me, we're just, we're just getting to work. 
You know what I mean? We're getting there, yeah. Um, I asked you that question about your moment, if you feel like it's popping off now, because I remember, I think it was 2019, I went to this conference with my bestie, Dayana, you know, my bestie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, me, she dragged me to this conference in Atlanta, and Ronnie Brown was there. She's a, um, she's a, she's from this area. She's from DC, but she's like a brand specialist, coach, mm-hmm. all these things. And she was speaking at the conference, and she said something basically to the effect of like, it wasn't until like her 10th year in mm-hmm. business where like because she had been consistent all that time but it wasn't yeah. until like her 10th her 10th year where things really started to pop off for her and I was like I think I was at like year six at that time mm-hmm. I was like okay I can wait you know I can get to 10 years to see and I literally like this year like so much has happened that I'm like I don't know if it's like a magic number of being 10 mm. but I feel like at my 10 I'm almost at my 11 year mark of being a makeup artist but like right something something crazy has been going on this year where like things have just been like boom 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 yeah i was like okay i think it's it's for everyone that's in their own time i feel like with um one i think that year five of any business or any you know journey year five is always going to be the year where you realize this is what i'm doing and now i know how to do it i think those first years you're finding your voice in whatever you're doing so, like, for you, it's probably developing the aesthetic as a makeup artist. Like, yeah, you can do this, and yeah, you can do that, but this is this is your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. I think by year five, you have that down pack. You're able to do that with your eyes closed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so, for me, it was, like, similar to that. Year five, with the hosting and the event planning and stuff, I was like, oh, I can throw together an open mic in 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or oh, I know how to, you know, pack a room. I know how to do all these things like that. Um, year 10 I really was like okay I'm good at this but now I need other people to know it. you yeah. know what I mean and I think that's kind of the space that you get in around then because now you're you're not trying to make the gigs now you're securing the gigs outside of yourself mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and I think that uh, for me at 15 years like I said now yeah I'm, I'm we're ready for big time yes, you know what I mean we've been doing the work and it's it's time Yes, I can't wait to see everything unfold. Is there anything else other than Art Basel that is coming up next for you that you can share? Yeah, so in January, at the end of January 2024, we will be traveling to South Africa for the first time um, with the business fellowship I was telling you about. And I'm very excited to um, introduce Vintage Thrivals to a whole nother country. That's so exciting. One so, of my friends yeah. just came back from South Africa. She said that she had a great time. Oh, yeah. It's like we've been hearing about it all year long, like in preparation of this trip. Like they've been telling us about it and how much of like a different, well, not, I won't say like different world, but like how things are just different there versus here. And yeah. I just, I can't wait. I'm already like, I'm going to start working on the outfits. <laughs> like as soon as I finish with the R Basel presentation, every waking moment will be dedicating to what I'm going to wear in South Africa because <laughs> it'll be their summer as well. Wow. So. Do you watch that show on Netflix with them South Africans? It's like young, young, African, rich and African or something, yeah, something like that. Do you watch I that? haven't watched it, but I have been hearing about it a lot. I was just telling uh, Dayana about it yesterday again because I watched that because she was like, asking me about what series I watched. I was like, I think the last series I binged is that like they are so crazy. Mm crazy down there but hopefully you have a great time what's the name of the fellowship that you're in it's called the brioxi small business fellowship so every year 
they pick a new city and, and build a cohort in that city. Um, so Baltimore was one of the original cities and they won't be, some cities they will be revisiting, but Baltimore, they won't be revisiting. So not only are we one of the first cohorts, but we're the only Baltimore cohort that will ever exist. So it really has bonded our group. It's uh, 33 of us and it's okay. really like bonded us in a very special way. It's really like a family. And um, we have our virtual meetings every Wednesday. So um, I get to like see all my cousins every yeah. Wednesday yeah. and we, you know, help each other with business plans and everything. It's really a special, I'm very grateful to be a part of it. That's great. So at the end of the fellowship, like what is, what do you hope to attain from it all? Well, one, I've already learned so much. Like I said, it helped me to kind of just see my business in a full scope outside of just like me producing all the time. It, mm -hmm. It's really put me in a, a mindset to really truly understand what all the hats do and what everything needs to be done to have your business be telling the story of your business mm -hmm. and it also helped me to kind of define what my business's story is I mean I knew what I wanted to do when I first started this business but I didn't know how to tell other people that yeah and now I have the tools to be able to be like this is our story and this is how you can be a part of that story mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah okay i'm so excited for you like this is thank you it's up it's up <laughs> thank so you so excited. much yes oh my god before i let you go i have to ask you the friends and beauty rapid fire questions which you will be phenomenal at i can't wait to well, hear thank your answers. you <laughs> if you need to elaborate you can okay so the first one is what are the top three keys to your success so far um being adaptable uh, I really lean into being charismatic. I think it's a, a a superpower to honestly be as charismatic as I like to think that I am. And then lastly, and this is going to uh, sound, you know, whatever, but I think being able to make people laugh is really like a power. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people take, I think people take for granted how powerful laughter is or being able to make people laugh. Like, that's a joy that you can't contain laughter you can't really stop laughter just yeah. like you know you can't really stop yourself from crying sometimes mm -hmm. and so to be able to evoke that emotion from people is like powerful so i think those are my three most successful you know how to get through to people and through those things i like that okay how do you measure your success oh i measure my success through how i feel when it's over Mm -hmm. so being in the throes of it the planning even when I'm at the event I don't really think of it as successful or unsuccessful until it's over and then I see how people I was there to experience how people felt yeah. how people digested it how people are talking about it afterwards like that's when it's like okay this worked or this didn't work right, right. Got that <laughs> yeah Okay. What is the best advice you've ever received or a piece of advice that's just always stuck with you? Two things. One, the only thing that stands between success and failure is risk. So you have to be able to take risk if you want to see either side of that. Uh, that's something I, I literally like put that on my tombstone because that's that's the one. Yeah. Um, the second thing, and this is something I live by, is the best opportunities I've ever received in life are the ones I've given myself. So like the Afropunk situation, like I gave myself permission to do that yes. and it happened, you know what I mean? Or like 
a lot of times when I first started out, I was always trying to host other people's events. And I'm like, how about I create the event and I host it? And that's kind of what put me on the map locally. Yeah. So if and no one will be able to, again, tell the story of what you want to tell. But you, you're going to be the best person to tell the story because it's your story. So if you're creating those spaces to have that story be told, the people who show up are going to listen. Yes, I love this. Okay. (laughs) What advice would you give to another creative or entrepreneur who is just at their wits end? They're just ready to give up on it and just like, you know what? Maybe I need to go to corporate and just put these creative Mm -hmm. dreams behind me and give up. I would say, uh, I'll say two things. I would say one, if if that's really what you feel in your heart, then do that. Mm -hmm. Because a person who necessarily is built for this is going to keep finding a way to get to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you'll have your moments where you're you're gonna feel like you're outside of that realm. But even when I would have those thoughts, I would never say it out loud. Because to me, saying it out loud would make it real. And then I would have to abide to it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm not even going to, yeah, I'll have the thought, but I'm not, I'm not saying it to anybody. I'm not going to voice it. I'm not giving that any energy because I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Even when I didn't know what it was, I just knew that it was supposed to be something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And secondly, I'd say um, when you feel like that, you should compare that to how you feel when you were doing the other thing. You know what I mean? When I did work my nine to five job, I remember specifically having a conversation with my manager at the time. I I was working for this team of psychiatrists mm-hmm. and I was like an admin and they had three offices. I had keys to all three offices. I had like rapport with all the doctors. I was working on everybody's schedule. I was like really on the job and I'd only been there for like three months and I was like mm-hmm. killing and I remember sitting down with the manager and I'm like, you know, I'm not saying I need a raise or anything, but like, I've been really yeah. doing the thing. So like, what's next? And she was like, the only other job that you can have is my job. And then okay. she leaned in and she said, and I'm not going to let you take my job. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Okay, girl. This went from like us just having Burger King together to like this very tense situation. Right. And I was like, I don't, I don't want that. I don't one, I don't want her job because one, she was always stressed, like to the point where her hair would be falling out. Like she was very stressed all the time. <laughs> right. And and then also the business was her whole life. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, you're dedicating your whole yeah. life to the business of other people. Uh-uh. These people are going home at night, they're going to sleep. You are running their bit, you're keeping the lights on in this place. You know what I mean? And what do you get at the end? The little bonus at Christmas and a bottle of wine? Y'all right. keep that. Maybe. You know what I mean? So I always, anytime I get in that headspace where I'm like, is this isn't working. I think to how I felt that moment sitting there with her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not going back to that for anything. Yeah, I'm not going back to that either. So let me keep on pushing. Exactly. Yeah. Got you. Okay. What is a resource that helps you in your business that you can share with the friends and beauty community? Oh, mm. Let's see, a good resource. Uh, well, definitely one is just like use your your intuition. Trust the like the the gut feeling. A lot of times, especially in the first three years of business, you want to say yes to everything, and I urge you to say yes mm-hmm, to everything mm-hmm. because in the first few years, you got to find your footing. You got to know what events work for you, what don't. 
what spaces you want to be in, what don't, which ways to present your product or, or your brand and which ways to not. And the only ways to do that is to try it, is to go and be in those spaces, be in those rooms, say the things, you know, do it. Uh, but after you've, you know, done the page of dues a little bit, you'll be able to trust that intuition and be like, okay, this didn't work. Yeah. And when it doesn't work, it's probably not going to work continually. So like, learn to trust that voice um even with like things like you know picking your prices and stuff like that like you got to really trust yourself because there's a situation where you know with me making what i make a lot of times my price point is um lower because my overhead is low like it doesn't cost me a great deal of money to acquire the materials mm -hmm. so you know i don't have to price things erratically yeah. But even sometimes there are people who like will come to the rack at a pop-up or something and they'll make me second guess my pricing. Because they'll be like, oh, well, that's kind of pricey. Oh, I don't want to pay that much for that. And it happened to me one time. I'm at a pop-up and this guy puts on this jacket, loves the jacket. I mean, he's like parading around, getting people to take pictures. He's like, I'm going to go show my wife. I'm going to do that. And so when I told him the price after all this song and dance, mm -hmm. I told him the price and he was like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that, right? Yeah. He literally takes the jacket off, puts it on a hanger, puts it back on the rack. He wasn't even 10 feet away. Another lady had walked up. She had been watching him the whole time. And she grabbed the jacket. She put it on. And as soon as she saw the fit, she was like, I'll take it. Period. So it's like, don't let his, you know, inability to, to value your work change how you value your work. Because that other lady, she didn't hesitate. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I told her the price. She gave me her card, just like that. Right. So you got to really learn to trust your instinct and your intuition, but you have to build it first. Yeah. And that jacket just was not for him. It was for her. Mm -hmm. She was exactly. like, I'll wait for him to put that thing back. I'm just waiting. She was. Play. And when she walked away, she said to her friend, I could steer her them like talking about it. And she was like, that's the most confidence I've ever had in making a clothing purchase ever. Oh, I love that. And so that was like, for me hearing her say that, I was like, that was it. That's what her. I needed to hear. You know what I mean? I love that. Okay. Trust your intuition, y'all. I love mm -hmm. it. So the last one, I just want you to fill in the blank and say, my name is blank. And the key to longevity and success is whatever you think it is. Okay. So my name is Rich Rocket. And the key to longevity and success is seeing it for yourself. If you don't see it for yourself, you can't expect anyone else to see it for you. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, it's your efforts that's going to give it to you yeah. so yes i love that i love that before you go please share all of your information however you want people to connect with you and follow you on this journey just okay so um my website is www.iamrichrocket.co um i'll be updating it over the next two months so it'll be all new shiny razzly dazzly come the new year and we'll have our store up to date because with me doing so many pop-ups, I don't get to keep the store as up to date as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're working on that. And also, um, you can follow on Instagram. It's at IAM Rich Rocket or at Vintage Thrivals. Uh, Vintage Thrivals is a clothing company. Most of the new pieces, they Instagram will see them first. Okay. So if you ever see something on the story, you'll be like, hey, how much is that? You know what I mean? <laughs> like before it's gone. Um, and my personal Instagram is where you'll get to see a lot of the journey. I'm on there every day. So um, you can definitely, there's polls. We're always doing fun stuff on the story. So definitely check it out. 
Thank you. This has been such a fulfilling conversation. Oh, thank me. you so much. I, I appreciate absolutely you. Just enjoyed you so much. We definitely have to link up in person. In yes, for sure. And chop it up. But thank you so much for sharing with us, sharing your journey. I'm really so excited for you. Like thank I'm about you. to smooth and locked into <laughs> what you're doing. This is so exciting. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Friends in Beauty podcast. Don't forget sharing is caring if you enjoyed this episode share it with another friend in beauty give it a thumbs up and subscribe rate and leave a five-star review so that other friends in beauty can find the show plus we'd love to hear your feedback connect with us on all social media platforms at friends in beauty hashtag friends in beauty to join the conversation and join our friends in beauty facebook community to stay connected talk to you soon